0: Again, Happy New Year. That's part of my message, so I have to say that. (laughs) As I was seeking the Lord, what He wanted me to minister about this week, He brought to mind the fact that at New Year's, lots of people make resolutions. We often decide to change things in our life. Things like we want to maybe exercise more, or spend less money, or eat healthier. Some of us want to stop doing things like drinking the wrong kinds of things. Stopping smoking, stopping chewing. Stop biting our nails. Whatever it would be, you can fill in the blank. What is it that I want to stop? Or what is it that I want to start? One of the things that happens with New Year's resolutions is that they, they've done studies to see how successful we are at obtaining our goals when we make a New Year's resolution. Unfortunately, it's, it's not that good. <laughs> they say about 8% of people who make a New Year's resolution reach their goal. But they said the people who make resolutions do better than those who don't. (laughs) Those who aren't trying get exactly what they're believing for. (laughs) So the Lord wanted me to talk to you this morning about why do we fall short of our goals? Why is it when we want to lose weight, oh, we start cheating? Or if we want to exercise more, oh, we get lazy? (laughs) Or tired? Or we don't make the time? Or whatever it is. What (laughs) happens to these great plans we have? Because people really invest in their plans. You know, sometimes they will invest in um, system. Food comes to the door. It's going to be easy. Or they invest in gym equipment. They bring it into their house. We have one in our living room. (laughs) They buy Nicorette gum or get a prescription for a patch. But even with all of these helps, we still find that 92% of them aren't reaching their goal. Why is that? Well, it's because we have flesh. (laughs) Now, I know you knew that. But all of us have flesh, and flesh is always weak. The answer to flesh is always the power of our own death, which is what we're going to look at today. Our flesh is weak. Even Jesus said to the disciples in the garden, Watch and pray. Why? Because your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. He knew the downfall would come in their flesh. They weren't yet filled with the Spirit. So, he's talking about their natural man? We see how that applies to us. Jesus says, watch and pray, because your downfall will be your flesh if you let it. We don't have to let it. So what exactly is flesh? The Strong's Concordance says flesh is the meat of an animal, like muscle, stripped of skin, yuck. And it's also the body. It also uh, pertains to the soul. It also is used in terms as the human nature or as being human. The scripture talks about being carnal or fleshly. Carnal is not evil. Flesh is not evil. We need to know that. It's not evil to be carnal. It's just unproductive. (laughs) We are carnal beings. We live in a body. Our body has natural appetites for food and water and, and, and all the other things. So we are this flesh. And that's how the, the scripture refers to our bodies as flesh. A minister by the name of Steve McVeigh put his definition for flesh this way. Flesh is the way that you and I learn to meet our God-given needs of love, acceptance, and worth apart from God. When we grow up with some of the different ways in, in different situations, we learn how to perform, to succeed, to deal with problems and stress, to cope, to protect, and to defend ourselves, and how to relate to other people. call it a self-life. The self-life has all of its resources in itself. That is a recipe for disaster. 2 <laughs> Corinthians 10.3 says Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And that's really what we're talking about this morning is the war of the flesh but it goes on to say for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ the Lord made it very clear that very often when people have habits or what would call them habits? habits that we don't like it could be any kind of a habit that's in our flesh. Smoking, drinking, eating, whatever the habit is. Because we keep trying to succeed, because we we start a new plan at the beginning of the year, and we, we try a new diet, and we try a new patch, or an, a new method of getting our flesh under control, what happens is every time we set ourselves up like that, and we fail, we're teaching ourselves something. It's that self-life. What we learn is that My flesh is stronger than I am. And what happens is people begin to get the stronghold in their mind that they're powerless against this habit. A stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness. You see, if you believe smoking is stronger than you, then it will be. If you believe biting your nails is stronger than you, then it will be. If you believe chocolate is stronger than you, then it will be. It, it does It come right down to what you believe. But this constant failing sets up a stronghold in our mind that says, I'm not strong enough. For years, I've always battled with my weight. My whole Christian life. And for most of that time, before I came into the revelation of grace, I was always condemned. Because I was never thin enough. You see, I set up that stronghold in my mind that a good Christian looks a certain way. And if I fail to meet that standard, then I condemn myself. And then you just get into a continual cycle of condemning yourself and trying again, condemning yourself and trying again. (laughs) And you begin to believe that whatever it is you're fighting is stronger than you. Well, guess what? It is. That's the problem when we talk about the self-life. The problem with this scenario is we're using fleshly, carnal means to try to overcome the flesh. Flesh will never be stronger than flesh. You need something better to overcome it. 1 Corinthians 16 says, "But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. That's where our power comes from. The Lord says a lot of people try new things all the time. But they're using fleshly means. They're trying to fix the flesh from the outside. They're trying to fix flesh with flesh rather than overcoming the flesh by the Spirit. What does it mean to war after the flesh? It means we're using fleshly means as our ammunition. It's like fighting fire with fire. You're not going to put the fire out. You're just going to make it worse which is exactly what happens. People get into that continuous cycle, and then they they begin to lose hope. When that happens, they give up. They say, I can't conquer this, I guess I will just live with it. (laughs) And, And so many Christians do. We don't have to do that. We don't have to let our flesh rule us. If anything, if our success hinges on anything we can do in ourself, where the resources come out of ourself, we'll fail. When it comes to flesh, you have to surrender, not to the flesh, <laughs> but to Christ. You have flesh, but you are not in the flesh. If you have accepted Christ, you have your physical body, which is flesh, but you also have that carnal mind, that natural thinking. The, the natural thinking says, I have a headache, take an aspirin. Now, is that a bad thing? No. We know that an aspirin will take away a headache. And if God tells you to take out aspirin, please do. <laughs> God does use natural things. But you see, that's a natural remedy. God uses natural remedies. But when we're talking about overcoming the flesh, it's different. Natural means will never allow you to win. Because the problem is not your habit. The problem is you have flesh. We're not designed to be ruled by our flesh. But a great many Christians are. Their body gets to tell them what to do and when to do it. Jesus is not Lord. (laughs) Our body is Lord. It tells us when we're going to go to bed and when we're going to eat and and what we're going to do. We let our bodies rule us. This is not God's best plan for us. Please understand, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I don't know who smokes (laughs) and who doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't matter as far as the Lord is concerned. It doesn't matter as far as your relationship with Christ is concerned. God wants us to be successful, whatever our goal is. Sometimes our goals are not ones other people can see. One of my goals is to not be concerned about people's opinions. That's not easy to do. It's not easy to get up every week and go, oh, please like this. And sometimes, uh, when, I, when I get done here, I feel like I've failed miserably. I always go back to go, okay Lord, what did you tell me to tell them? I can't go by whether or not you like it, or receive it, or approve of it, or agree with it. I have to live unto the Lord. My peace comes from Him, not from you. But you know what? Satan will beat the live and tar out of me every chance he gets about whether or not I do well or don't do well? That's still flesh. So flesh can be how much I weigh. Flesh can be, do I bite my nails? Flesh can be, do I care what other people think of me? Flesh can be a real hindrance to you experiencing all that God wants you to have. He wants us to walk in His victory. That's the point. But the Lord was very clear that so many people get to the point where they go, it's hopeless. I just can't conquer this. I'm just going to live with it. And so they go back to trying outward means. God says there's a better way. Romans 8.5 says this. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please themselves. (laughs) They do please themselves if they're in the flesh. (laughs) So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... He is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit uh, is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. For years, (laughs) I did not truly understand this scripture. You see, I thought Christians could be in the flesh. You see, because we have flesh, sometimes we think that's who I am. And that's what this is talking about. A Christian is not in the flesh. I have a picture in my head of a human being. (laughs) And there's a line that goes right down the middle of this human being. Half of them is filled with Christ and the Holy Spirit. The other half is what we call our flesh. We have our natural thinking We have our natural body. God wants who we are, who we are in him, to be expressed through our physical being. So that's the point. Someone who is truly in the flesh is somebody who has never received Christ. Now I can operate according to the flesh. It's not the same thing. And for years, I thought Christians jumped into Jesus and into the flesh and back and forth. That's not true. Someone who is in the flesh is somebody who is not born again. It's about who you are, not what you're doing. To be in Christ is to be in the Spirit. If you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit as well. If you are in Him, that's where you operate from. Or that's where we should operate from. That's where we want to operate from. As believers, we want to operate from the Spirit, but sometimes because of wrong beliefs, wrong understandings, we operate according to the flesh, not in it. Christians do not operate in the flesh. They operate according to it. In other words, who they really are receives information from the flesh, and they agree with it. So we, as Christians, are never in the flesh. We have physical bodies, the scripture calls flesh. In that sense, we live here. And this is our earth suit. But this is not who we are. That's the important part of this. I am not in the flesh. I don't operate from the flesh. I don't live there. You see, I died. I don't live where I used to live before I had Christ, before I met Christ. You are a different person. Your spirit man is completely alive to God and knows everything God knows. That's awesome! <laughs> the Spirit has to give that information over to us. And he does that through the leading of the Spirit and through, and through His Word. So it says here that to be carnally minded is death. What he's talking about is physically. He's not talking about spiritually. If you're, carnally, if you're a carnal Christian, you're going to go, die and go to hell. No! You are completely sealed with the Holy Spirit. To be carnal means to think of the way of the world. To be naturally inclined. Not to be thinking the thoughts of Christ. The word says that God has given us the mind of Christ. That doesn't mean we automatically think his thoughts. But we do have the ability to think his thoughts. Simply by saying, Lord, cause me to hear you. What do you think about this? We have that instant ability. We have that instant access. A lot of times we try to reason reason is in the realm of carnal (laughs) that's in the natural now God will tell you to use wisdom. This is kind of tricky because it's like you're this person but you're dealing with a part of yourself that's not really you. The person you see before you today is not who I am. You can't see the real me. I can't see the real you. Even the scripture says we, we regard no man after the flesh. What is he talking about? He says, well, I'm not going to judge you based on how you look. I'm not going to judge you based on what you do. It's not your flesh that is the real you. Oftentimes you meet somebody and you instantly know something. You're like, I like you. <laughs> There's, mm, I have sneaky suspicion. You're a Jesus lover. <laughs> how do we do that? How does that happen? the spirit in us is bearing witness with the spirit in someone else the real you the people I see here today is not the real you who we really are is who we are in our spirit and their spirit is completely perfect and in perfect control and not ruled by anything but Jesus our flesh, however, (laughs) is sometimes problematic so how did we get out of the flesh and into the spirit? Well, the truth is, we died. In 2 Corinthians 5:14 it says, "The love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again." Henceforth we know no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet henceforth we know him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. King James is sometimes a little hard to read. (laughs) When Adam sinned in the beginning, God counted every human being in Adam spiritually and physically. All the human DNA was in Adam. Every human being came out of Adam. So when Adam fell and became a sinner, everyone who was in him and came out of him was a sinner. We're born apart from God. Now, when Christ came, God did the same kind of thing. In fact, he calls him the last Adam. Because there's not going to be any more. (laughs) What God did was he redeemed us in the body of Christ. God says that he was reconciling the whole world to himself in the body of Christ. He says, I put you in Christ. I counted that as so, knowing that we would come out of Christ and be of him. So what Adam did in the fall, God fixed. (laughs) He, brought it, he reconciled the whole world back to himself with the ability for us to be of God again. And so everyone who comes out of Christ is of Christ and has everything that Christ has. If I put this paper in this book, everything that happens to the book happens to the piece of paper. If I throw this in the trash, the whole thing goes into the trash. If I put it in the refrigerator, the whole thing goes into the refrigerator. Whatever this book experiences, this paper will experience. That is the picture of what happened on Calvary. God says, I stuck the whole human race into Jesus. I punished all their sins. And so we need to understand that when we were in him, he died. And if he died, we died. The power of sin has been broken over us. The power of the flesh has been, been broken, the authority of the flesh has been broken because we died. We are dead. That old person that we used to be completely died. And we have this new person because we are born of God and this new person has the ability to walk even as Christ walked. Yes. Yeah. Even as Christ walked. We don't because we don't really believe it. We don't believe we can walk on water. and. God didn't tell us to. <laughs> but if He tells us to, we can, if we believe it. And He says, you can stop biting your nails. You can lose weight. You can be healthy. You can stop eating b- bad stuff. You can. Why? Because He has killed the old person who was in charge of making you do those things. We are now dead to sin. Colossians 3.3 says, you have died. Now, this is really important because so many Christians go, well, I have Jesus, but they think they're like two different people. That we we step in and out. I go back to being who I used to be, now I go back and I'm in Jesus. doesn't work that way. We are always in Christ. We never go back into flesh. Now we can adhere to it, but we never go back into it. We are delivered from the power of sin. We are a new creature. When the Lord was on the cross, He all of us died. One died for all, therefore all died. This is what 2 Corinthians 5.14 says. When he was crucified, all of us were crucified. The Lord has put us in him. And however he dealt with Christ is how he dealt with us. Our destiny is bound up with his. What he has gone through, we have gone through. For to be in Christ is to be identified with both his death and his resurrection. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, the human body, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Whenever the word says, Crucified, It's always in a past tense. And the tense is one that is done and will forever be done and never needs to be done again. You need to know that. (laughs) How many of you tried to die daily? Never do that? For years. For years I was trying to die every day. Put my flesh to death. And I, I was told over and over and over again, you can do this. You can put the flesh to death. You know what? I couldn't get it to die. It would never give up. It wouldn't surrender. It wouldn't do what I told it to do. It wouldn't die. Guess what? Flesh never dies. It's like being a prisoner. When we were in the flesh, we had no choice whether or not we sinned. We had a taskmaster called sin, and sin said, jump, and we jumped. Sin said, eat too much, and we did. (laughs) Whatever sin told us to do, we were doing it. Why? Because we had no choice. We were held captive in the land of sin. The land of the flesh. The flesh is still here. The natural is still here. Sin is still here. Sin will still come knocking on your door. But you know what the correct response is? I died. I died. You do not understand that. I died. This is a revelation to get that will set you free in a lot of areas. No matter what it is, whether it's in the physical or in the emotional or or the mental area, whatever we're dealing with, so much of it is flesh. We say, Ah, I died. I am dead to you. We have to get that revelation because I was also told for years, Reckon yourself dead. Romans 6. And I reckoned as hard as I could. I reckon I'm dead. I am reckon I'm dead. (laughs) But no matter what I tried to do, I couldn't get my flesh to be dead. It never says to reckon that flesh is dead. But that's what we're often taught to do. Just reckon your flesh dead. Flesh will never die because you reckon it. The only release is to be completely set free from the sin camp and that is only through our death in Christ when sin comes knocking on our door, no matter what kind it is, big, small, whatever the appropriate response is, I died at Christmas time I had a strange experience a flush experience we got together for Christmas and my daughter makes wonderful Christmas cookies but I'm gluten free if I eat gluten, I get very, very sick So. I never have a problem resisting her wonderful Christmas cookies because they would put me in bed for a week so that's not going to happen but this year for whatever reason my body kept saying, we want Christmas cookies (laughs) I said, what? that would make us sick, stop that and as the evening went on my physical body said, we want Christmas cookies now is that logical? is that logical? that part of my being would talk to the real me and say let's eat Christmas cookies knowing it's going to make me sick? you see it isn't logical sin isn't necessarily logical the desire came from the flesh area not from of your mind (laughs) not eating Christmas cookies but that's the way it operates, that's the way it happens the the flesh part of us tries to take dominion at any and every opportunity. And it doesn't even need to be logical. I had gluten-free cupcakes. They were wonderful. But it, it, it surprised me. that I've been gluten-free for like five years. It surprised me that my flesh would come knocking and say, let's do this. And it's like, it's almost like your brain goes, who are you? Who are you? Because you know what? It isn't the real me. It is Satan using my flesh. It isn't the real me. And that's part of what we need to remember. When Satan comes knocking on your door, when sin comes knocking on your door, and you go, are you out of your mind? That is not who I am. Do you know who I am? Do you know I died to you and you've got no legal right to me whatsoever? You cannot tell me what to do. But only... In Christ. You see, if we think we're strong enough in ourselves to handle sin, we will always fail. It is only in the truth that I am in Christ. I am in the Lord. And because I am in the Lord, I have his authority. And I can tell you, no. And do it easily. It still boggles my mind that part of me would go, let's do this! And the real me is like, that's insane. Why would I do that? There's no logical reason. But that's how flesh operates. So the only appropriate response is, no, I'm dead to you. I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? We're often accused of preaching that. You grace people think you can just live any old way. Not true. Grace people want to live by the power of God's grace. Verse 2 says, Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin? We died to sin. Sin did not die. We died. That's the only way we could ever be free from sin, is if we died. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who, as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And that's not talking about water baptism. It's talking about being submersed into Christ. We were placed in there by the Father. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly also we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, this is important, most Christians don't know this. They don't know that they're dead to sin. Their sin doesn't have the right to come knocking on their door. They think they have to put sin to death instead of realizing I'm the one that needs to die. Sin and the flesh will never we're gonna have it around until we go to heaven. We can't crucify sin. And we can't crucify ourselves again. Dead people don't die twice. You can't get up every morning and crucify yourself. <laughs> you're already dead. If you do that, you're like me. I am nearsighted. So I had been known to do this. <laughs> and look at something, and fix something, and, and do something, and then go, honey, how me find my glasses? I, ca- I can't find them anywhere. This is what Christians do. We don't know we've already got something, so we go looking for it outside of ourselves. We have to understand that we have already died. We don't have to figure out some way to crucify our flesh. Our flesh will never die. But we did, and that sets us free knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin." You are free. The hard part is getting us ourselves to believe that. Because sin comes knocking on your door and says, eat Christmas cookies, we think that's us, that we have a problem. What is wrong with me that I would want to eat Christmas cookies? That's insane! I must be ludicrous! I must go see a psychiatrist! We think it's us! And it's not us! We need to know the difference. We need to see ourselves as dead to sin. When I first learned this, I learned this about oh, probably five or six years ago. I read a book by Watchman Nee called The Normal Christian Life. And he talked about this principle. And this was the first time I'd ever heard anyone tell me, I'm already dead. I don't have to get up every morning and figure out how to kill myself. <laughs> I'm already dead. But he said, making it work isn't as easy as it sounds. Because you have to really believe it. Ah, see, that's where it gets a little tricky. We sang the song today about God opened the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Well, what God wants us to see is not just the Lord Jesus Christ, but what He wants us to see is that we are in Him. And when He died, we died to all sin. We are completely free from the power of sin. Sin does not have dominion, does not have dominion over us. It can't make us do whatever it wants to do. It's not stronger than us. It's not bigger than us. We don't have to feel like it's hopeless. We don't have to feel like we're helpless. Because we have already died. That has no ability to touch us. At all. But we have to believe it. You have to be able to see with the eyes of your heart that you were in Christ. And that you died to sin. That you are completely free. You have to really believe it for it to work. (laughs) So, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead... Dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. One crucifixion. We all get just one crucifixion. We don't need to keep trying to kill ourselves by crucifying our flesh. It will never die. But we have died. It says he died to sin one time for all people. For all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. This reckoning is not as, as easy as it might seem. I was struggling one day with something of the flesh. I don't even remember what it was. What I do remember is I was like, How do I get over this? How do I stop this? I'm asking the Lord to give me some weapons. <laughs> Give me some weapons here, Lord, so I can get rid of this, this thing that's bothering me, this flesh problem. And it wouldn't go away. You see, I was asking for tools of the flesh. Give me something I can do to make this change. It isn't what we do that causes change. It's what we believe that causes change. We can do all day long, and it will never change us. But what we believe in an instant will set you free if you believe sin has no power and authority, if you know without a shadow of a doubt that you died, and that you're never going to die again, ever. One day you're going to step out of your earth suit, but you're never going to die. You're never going to experience death. You've already died in Christ. And now what we have is His life in us. Therefore, do not let sin. Do not let flesh reign in your mortal body. It never reigns in your spirit. You can only have control if you give it in your flesh. That you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law, but under grace. God's grace is what we need when we, when sin comes knocking at our door. It is the divine enablement. It is the power to overcome, because we have already overcome. It's about enforcing the fact that we're dead. You have the power and authority to enforce the fact that Satan has no legal right to our flesh. It's been bought and paid for. So I have the right to say, absolutely not. But it's not going to, happen, you're not going to see the fruit of it by doing things, but by believing the right thing. What happened that certain day was, when I was asking God for tools, I remembered this about reckoning myself dead. But the problem is, what we do is we go, okay, I reckon myself dead. I I believe I died with Jesus. I believe sin no more has any power over me. And then we look at our flesh to see if it's true. Think about it. When you're resisting sin, if you want to know if you're successful or not, you look at your flesh. You go, my flesh is still acting a mess. Therefore, I must not be dead. A lie. It's a lie. (laughs) We're only acting a mess because we believe the lie. The truth is, when I believe that I am in Christ, that I have died to the power of sin, I don't check my flesh to see if it's real I look to the cross to see if it's real is the cross real? did Jesus really die? did he really die with me in him? is that the truth? you see when I look there what do I see? I see the victory that I'm looking for I start believing this is who I am this is the real me I have overcome I am not a product of my flesh I am a born again child of God and I can do all things through Christ I am not going to be under the foot of the enemy I have the power and the ability to say no because Christ has set me free I am free indeed I don't have to give myself back to the uh, the enemy I don't have to give my flesh access to him or give him access to my flesh He's always going to come knocking. But if you know the truth, if you know who you are, that you have died to the power of sin, then you know the truth. And by faith you apprehend it. It's not what we do. That's what this reckoning is. Reckoning is faith. It's an accounting term. It says, what I have in the bank and what I have in my checkbook are equal. What often happens though is what the bank says and what we have are not the same. And then we have to figure out where we made a mistake. You see, reckon means, this is what God's books say. My book says I'm a mess. Wrong. Reconcile your book to say the same thing Christ says. Reckon yourself that I am free indeed, that I am not under the foot of the inmate, that I am more than, more than a conqueror through Christ, that I will not be subject to my flesh, because I am in Christ. And I have his life and his power and his ability to walk free from sin. Amen? Watchman knee, I'm gonna close with this. Watchman knee in this book. He's he couldn't get his head around it. Because it's it's really quite a difficult concept to kind of see yourself as in Christ and having flesh, but not being of the flesh. And so he was praying, God, I gotta get this. I gotta understand the truth of this, the reality of this, that I'm truly, not just positionally, but truly dead to sin. And so he was praying for, for several months. And then one morning, something happened. I'm going to read it to you. He says, I remember one morning. That morning was a real morning and one I could never forget. I was upstairs sitting at my desk reading the Word and praying. And I said, Lord opened my eyes, and then in a flash, I saw it, I saw the oneness with Christ, I saw that I was in him, and that when he died, I died, I saw that the question of my death was a matter of the past and not of the future, and that I was just as truly dead as he was, because I was in him when he died. The whole thing had dawned on me. I was carried away with such joy at this great discovery that I jumped up from my chair and cried, Praise the Lord, I'm dead! <laughs> I ran downstairs and met one of the brothers helping in the kitchen, and I laid hold of him. Brother, I said, do you know that I have died? He, I must admit, he looked a little bit puzzled. What do you mean, he said, and so I went on. Do you not know that Christ has died? Do you not know that I died with him? Do you not know that my death is no less truly a fact than that of his? Oh, it was so real to me. I longed to go through the streets of Shanghai, shouting the news of my discovery. From that day to this, I have never once for one moment doubted the finality of that word. I have been crucified with Christ. You see, it is a a revelation. It is a something that happens like when you get the revelation of grace. It drops into your spirit in a moment and you see it. That's what God wants us to have. That's what the knowing is. Knowing this, if you know that you know this, you can reckon it at any time. Reckoning this is, I'm apprehending it. I'm taking the truth of this and I'm applying it to my life. That's what reckon means. It means to say, I will say what God says about me, and I will believe what God says about me, and not what the enemy says. I have died. I have died. I am dead, and I'm never dying again. I have been set free from sin. Sin does not have power over me, and I'm not going to let it. And that's what he says, you get to choose. Even if you choose to walk in the flesh, what we call, in in Christian circles, "Mm he's walking in the flesh. No, he's walking according to the flesh. God says you get to choose you can submit your members to Christ or you can submit them to the enemy but you have the power to choose either one nobody makes you Satan doesn't make you sin doesn't make you you have all the power you need to walk free from sin because you have died in Christ Amen. we need God to make this so real to us that we don't put up with the shenanigans of the enemy And when he says, let's eat Christmas cookies, we go, are you out of your mind? That's not who I am. I am in him, and I live in him, and I move in him. I have died to sin. Amen? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your amazing grace, Father, that you so loved us that you put us in Christ before we ever knew you, before we ever heard your name. You ordained from the foundations of the world that you would put us in you, that we would be delivered from all the power of the enemy, that sin would never have dominion over us. I thank you, Father God, for the truth that I have been made free, that I have been delivered from the, the, the camp of the enemy. I thank you, Father, for the truth that I was buried with Christ, that I have been risen with Christ, that I have His life, your life, the Spirit's life in me. I thank you, Father, that in Christ, you have seated me in your own courtroom. You have placed me at your own right hand, in Christ Jesus, and you invite me to rule and reign with you. Your word says that we will rule and reign when we receive the abundance of your grace. And the gift of righteousness. Father God, I thank you for your amazing grace, for the gift of righteousness that you live in us, that you have done everything necessary to make us completely free. I thank you, Father God, that we will not be helpless and believe the lies that we are hopeless to change. In you, we can do all things. We thank you, Father, for the power of the victory given to us as a gift. We don't work for it. We don't earn it. We don't pray and fast for it. We just simply believe it and receive it. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.